Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me. I hope that you have been enjoying this series. We are wrapping up this series, I do believe anyway, uh, this program, the uh, series that I've been doing with Costi Hinn. And uh, Costi, thank you so much for joining me, brother, and and, uh, thank you for your time with us. Hey, thanks for having me, Justin. It's been a real honor. And uh, been really neat talking about this important uh, material. Yeah, indeed. Well, I, I've certainly been encouraged by it. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do today, we're going to wrap this up. By, I'm sure as these programs have gone on, probably one of the primary questions that's been uh, rolling around in your mind, what is it like for Costi now? What is it like for, um, what's the what's the family dynamic now? I mean, what is it like when, Thanksgiving comes, you know, uh, with his uncle and his own father in this movement, and now God has graciously saved Costi out of it. I'm sure you've been wondering um, what what family life is like. And uh, so, Costi, that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today, and we're going to tie this in uh, to to Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at some verses out of uh, Matthew 10, Matthew 12, and uh, this. This, I think this is a good way to to kind of put a uh, put a capstone, for lack of a better word, on on our on our series. So, Costi, you've given us your testimony. God saved you uh, a, a few years ago, four or so, give give or take years ago, and um, you're 180 degrees from from where you were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So, what had tell us, talk to us about? what it's been like, and how this has changed um, the relationship you have with your family. Yeah, great question. Um, I'm happy to share as well. So when this initially started, there was uh, conversations that took place, and I would share with my family, like my brother-in-law and my sisters and my parents as well, my both my father and my mother, and some cousins, and I would just share truths that I had been learning. I wouldn't necessarily put a name to them. Or say, you know, I read this in a John MacArthur commentary, or, hey, this guy Justin Peters said this about you. Uh, I wouldn't do anything like that. But, you know, a great example would be at my sister's wedding a few years ago. You got to know the doctrine of depravity, um, the tea and the tulip, was, it wrecked me. Suddenly I realized, you know, I was a sinner and all that. So, hmm. you know, I was just in a simple conversation one day with a family member. And I recently had our son, my wife had had him, she did all the work, I didn't really do much, and, you know, she had just given birth, and I had mentioned just something I had learned, because I had read a book by John MacArthur, what the Bible says about parenting, and so my big mouth at a dinner, rehearsal dinner, says, yeah, they're cute, aren't they, and my cousin had just had her daughter, and I said, yep, now we got the big task, you know, we gotta, we gotta turn these little sinners into saints, and give them the gospel, and... All I meant was, you know, we got to plant the seed of the gospel. They're not born regenerate, because I had learned that. <laughs> I thought, yeah. this is great. What a great truth. 
now we have we have excuses for them at least because they come out disobedient, they come out rebellious, and you can kind of say, well, that's expected. They're a sinner, rather than you know, trying to figure out reasons for it. And she was really upset. She said, "What do you mean they're they're sinners? No, they're not. She doesn't know sin." I said, "Well, of course she does." And uh, so does my son. And right there, I was caught in a real challenging situation. And and so she refuted me a little bit with. Um, some second Adam doctrine and that the baby was just with Christ in glory and came down to earth. And that's why the baby cries because it misses the presence of God and just all sorts of kind of stuff that you're taught in these dominion theology circles. So I backed off and I mailed her a book and it was by MacArthur on parenting. And uh, I just, that, so that's kind of a microcosm of what began to happen. So I would pick and choose my battles. Another moment that comes to mind is two years ago when I thought that I was just being a good brother. I sent a YouTube link and an email. It wasn't one of those long ones with capital letters. It was just a simple email saying, guys, I love you. Please stay away from this stuff. I'm not sure how close you are to it, but it's deadly. This is false teaching. And I just hope that you know, you'll, you'll use discernment and steer clear. And it was a link to some stuff that Bethel was doing. Glory clouds and gold dust and fire tunnels, everyone touching each other and screaming, almost looking like some demonic manifestations were happening rather than glory coming down. And really weird stuff. Yeah. And so I sent the link and man, did it hit the roof. I mean, they just went crazy and the, the, the decibels went higher and higher and higher and higher until basically they were hitting the ceiling. My family was yelling, they were upset. Um, don't you talk about Bill Johnson that way. Don't you talk about our friends. And I realized right there, they are really, really deeply ingrained in the movement. So, you know, having been called a hater and a Pharisee at that point, I pulled back a bit. And that's when it you know, it went quiet. It was about a year where I didn't say much, not because I, I was shutting my family out or they were shutting me out. There just wasn't much to say. And yeah. so I began to grow. That was the year that I immersed myself in some of your material uh, as well as others and learned and learned and learned because I wanted to be ready. I didn't want to have to always just say, well, you know, that's not right because it just didn't look right. I wanted to be able to use the word of God and maybe teach and plant seeds in their life that would come to fruition for mm-hmm. the gospel. So uh, fast forward again to just this last 18 months spent time in Florida with my family and on a car ride they were expressing to me that you know Bethel and their friends there are all about loving people and I begin to express that love is truth and when we speak the truth it's done in love but understand that there is no love if you don't have truth and we calmly had a discussion but again it it starts to escalate because they get frustrated and admittedly, I, I do too. Sometimes I say, guys, like, wake up. These are false teachers. Like, how, how do you reconcile, you know, just blatantly teaching one thing that's directly contradictory to the Bible and then saying this other thing that makes zero sense and then mixing in some truth? And they would always say, well, you, listen, listen. And they would always go to the love thing or special revelation, don't touch a man of God, and they're receiving from God. It's new wine. It's it's latter rain, kind of all the terms that really make no sense except uh, to be used as a way to cover up their their false teachings. So finally, um, it began to be more of comments made 
like I stayed with a family member with my family, uh, my personal family, my wife and children, and then stayed with uh, a family member. And they said, hey, just so you know, we play a lot of Bethel music in our house. I hope you're not offended, but we just wanted to let you know. Um, but it's not something we're willing to budge on. And so that was the, the new dynamic of the relationship. We knew we were different, and doctrinally we're going different directions. But we were kind and we warned each other. And even up until this last year, my family, my dad, my mom, my sister, they all came to church. Uh, just just even recently during Christmas time, uh, they came to hear me preach. So right up until that point, we're different, but I'm just the dead church guy who got poisoned by MacArthur and Justin Peters and my pastor, <laughs> Anthony Wood, and y'all messed me up with your orthodox theology and your cessation stuff. <laughs> and they've got the spirit, but I still am a good preacher, and I'm I'm at least you know, giving people the gospel. That was kind of the, the way it landed until most recently. Yeah. Uh, I decided that it was time to begin to uh, put some truth out there a little more publicly for people to, to stew on, yeah. mainly at the encouragement of, of great brothers in the faith, uh, guys like you, guys like my pastor, I mentioned him, Anthony Wood, uh, you know, men that said, hey, you don't have to do this by force. We're not telling you you should do it now or you have to, but as the Lord calls an man to do, you must do if you're a pastor. And so how, whatever the Lord's timing is, uh, know that that day may come. And that those moments started. And that began to uh, prepare my mind, my heart, and my family, meaning my wife, uh -huh. and my children, for that. And just recently I decided that it was time, so I posted a blog. Uh, on Equip the Saint, that's our, our church blog, and uh, EquipTheSaint.com, and it was God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel, part two of a, of a two-part, three-part series, and essentially, that's when it all kind of became public. My uncle already knew last year at my grandmother's funeral, he said, you know, when I get back to California, I'm going to talk some sense into that head of yours. We're going to have lunch. You stay away from that MacArthur. You know, kind of like that kind of stuff was still a joke. Yeah. This is much different. Yeah. After the blog post, uh, there's been, you know, various divine, you know, the threats of the divine judgment, basically that, you know, God's going to visit me and not in a good way. You know, the right. typical touch not the anointed. Yeah. Um, as if I'm David trying to kill Saul or my uncle is a monarchial king yeah. uh, in, in the Old Testament. So obviously we... Those kind of things are pretty normal in this, this world, but no accountability. You can't call out a prophet or a self-acclaimed prophet. You can't call out a, a teacher, an apostle. I mean, there's just so many barriers that have been built around these type of false teachers that what I'm doing is very, very uh, taboo in those circles. So I've been told everything under the sun and called everything under the sun now. I've been called a Pharisee, even though by definition Pharisees added to the law of God and added burdens to the people, which sounds a lot more like what false teachers are doing than what, what we're trying to do, but right. I've been told I'm full of hate, and I've actually been cut off from my family for now, unless the Lord softens their hearts in a way or they turn to truth. But basically right now we're we're sitting in a, a 2 John 9-11 to mentality of not even giving greetings, not showing a lot of hospitality. Yeah. In that sense, and not because we want to. I mean, this isn't fun. My wife and I aren't right. Aren't uh, 
you know, pontificating late at night about what's what, what do you think the next thing we can do to sink Uncle Benny or to destroy more relationships in our family? Hey, how do you think we can hurt them this week on our blog? Or what do you think I could preach to really stick it to them? That's not what we're doing. This is painful, and it's not as glorious and as as exciting as young guys might think it is. You know, I'm going to be a pastor and wage war against false teachers. It's way less glorified. And you take shots you never, ever want someone to have to take. But uh, you mentioned Matthew 10, right? Yes. And that's really what this comes down to. Christ said, I came to divide. I came with a sword. And we are just daily, my wife and I, always praying, trusting the Lord and trying to remember that we deny ourselves. It's not about us. And even our emotions, when we want to open that door and we want to link arms again and maybe put some things to the side and, oh, these are differences. I mean, we could all agree, but and you just start playing that game where you just don't want to hurt anymore. You yeah. don't want to have to wonder, we're going for Christmas. You don't want to wonder, you know, will they see my kids get married? Will uh, will I be at their funeral? Will I get an invite? Will any, will, what, will I send them a photo when our third child is born? I mean, all those things, are, they become very real. Yeah. And we yeah. go back to Matthew 10 when we start to doubt, because our Lord said this would happen, and our number one job is to stay committed to Him, yeah. no matter what. So, uh, guys, and, you're my family now. You're my brother, man. Exactly, exactly, Costi. And you, we've had these conversations off the air and and uh, just for, for context for people, we reference Matthew 10 specifically, verses 34 through 36. Jesus says, Do not yeah. think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And, you know, we... Obviously, these verses have been in the Bible for 2,000 years, and, and we know they're there. We've kind of read over them, skimmed over them, but so often we think, oh, that's yeah, that's that's not for me. You know, maybe somebody else, but that, that'll never happen. That'll never happen to our family. But but it does. It it does happen. And, and Costi, just like you said, it's not... It's not pleasant. It's not that we enjoy it. It's not that we look for strife. But but when you take a stand on on truth, if all the members of the household, a familial household, uh, are are not on the same page of truth, there comes the sword that Jesus promised, and and it's right. happened in your family. And it's uh, you know it's so. So many people, Costi, I know right now listening to me, I, I often tell people in my teaching that when you, oftentimes family members are the hardest ones to speak the truth to because they're they're close, they're a family, but, but speak the truth we must. So, um, yeah, just talk to us a little bit more about that, Costi. Is, has there been, have you, uh, there's obviously great division now in, in between even you and your your father and and uh, there, has has there been any softening there? Or is there are they still are they entrenched? Yeah, great question, Justin. Uh, I would say very much still there is tension. You know, more recently than ever, uh, that tension has increased, and my family is very frustrated 
and they would view that I've crossed over, uh, that I'm I'm attacking them, and uh, it's very personal for them. There isn't a lot of understanding that this is simply about the truth. Right. But you know, one thing I, I'm not saying, you know, I'm going to mention Mark six. I think verse four is what Jesus said. I I've memorized this one because it's it, it's close. I'm not saying I'm a prophet or I'm even on the same level as Christ whatsoever. I'm his slave. Uh, but the principle there that a prophet is not without honor. Uh, in his own, except in his own hometown, right. and among his relatives in, in his own home. I mean, that hits home for me, in that there's just a, a sense that this is just hostile. And I'm sure people listening right now have that dynamic in some of their relationships. Oh, you're you're just so-and-so. You're just my daughter. You're just my sister. And that personal aspect can be very difficult to overcome. But I want to encourage Christians everywhere to stand for truth no matter what, and have a renewed passion and zeal for the local church and for your family there, because they are your brothers. They are your your fathers and your mothers and your sisters. Those are our family members. Right. And you look at Matthew 12, uh, when Jesus' family was outside waiting for him, right? And, you know, they wanted to talk to him. Yep. And he looks right in front of him to those that he was teaching and those who were following his teaching. He says, you know, who is my mother and who are my brothers there in verse 48? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, the Bible says, he said, Behold my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father who's in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, we remember that on the cross he said, John, behold your mother. So clearly Jesus' own mother was doing the will of God, and he, she was following and obeying. So this doesn't necessarily negate our family or push them out and say, you know, cut them off, it's all about the church. But in a very real sense, for people whose family reject Christ and want nothing to do with his will or his word or the truth, we need to turn to our local body and remember that's our mother, brother, father, and sister. And I'm taking great encouragement in that. Yeah. We've talked to you and I one time. I remember you saying to me, Costi, I have more in common with a believer that I have known for 15 minutes than I do with some family members that I've known for 40 years. And I, I added the 40 years part. I think you just said with some of my own family members. And that's the truth. We have this amazing unity because we are together in Christ. And that's the support system. So, uh, yeah, it can be very difficult. Something that comes to mind as well that may encourage people who are listening to this last program is something that you may hear from others as they tell you you need to make this right and stop letting doctrine divide you. Romans twelve eighteen says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men or live peaceably with all. And that can be taken out of context at times or even too far, uh, but we need to understand doctrine is not to be tossed aside when it's talking about Christ, the doctrine of Christ, when we're talking about the authority of Scripture, when we're talking about salvific doctrine, dealing with the actual regeneration process and work salvation, things like that of that nature, those are very serious things. And so to live peaceably with all as long as it depends on me, absolutely. I would love to be at peace with my family. Sure, But sure. if they are bringing reproach on the name of Christ... The Bible has a lot to say about that, and so we can't just toss one verse out in favor of the other. We need to take both and understand that that's going to mean some really, really difficult decisions for some people who are listening, and I'm with you, 
and together we're clinging to Christ and to his body through it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Kasi. What an encouragement that is. Uh, I know, dear friends, you listening to this, and many of you are in situations, you have situations in your own families in which there is uh, now divisions, there's distance, there's an alienation of affection between you and your family members, and it centers around doctrine. And um, so I, I know this encourages you, and and it's not, as Costi said, we don't abandon members of our own family. It doesn't mean we stop loving them, but we, we love them enough to tell them the truth. And um, that's the greatest expression of love. And, and we must love Christ even more than members of our own family. In fact, Jesus says that in back in Matthew 10, continuing in the next verse right after he says, uh, members of our own household, will, or our enemies will be members from our own household. And then he says that we must love uh, Christ. We must love him more than father or mother. If we don't, he says, we're, we're not we're not worthy of Christ. So there, there is that penultimate love that we have, that we must have for Christ. And we express our love for our family members by telling them the truth, speaking the truth to them. And Costi, as we get ready to kind of wrap this up here in the next couple of minutes, you and I have talked before, I think we've been mentioned on this series, that nothing would bring us greater joy than to wake up tomorrow morning and I know nothing would bring you greater joy than to to get a phone call from your father or your uncle saying, Costi, I've, I've been wrong. I realize that now. I'm, I'm repenting. Uh, Christ has genuinely saved me, brought to brought me to real real faith and real repentance. And, and I would lo- love nothing more. I would... I would love nothing more than for this seminar that I do, Clouds Without Water. I would I would love for it to be irrelevant and not necessary. But um, yeah. um, but we we pray that God will will grant repentance, and it, it must be God who grants it. So, Costi, wrap wrap us up here in the next couple of minutes. Any any final thoughts that you have? Anything you want to tell tell our listeners? Absolutely, I've got a picture from my dad's 40th birthday. He's uh, 58 now. And I'm sitting on his lap and I got my arm around his neck and I'm looking in his eyes and he's looking in mine and I got the biggest smile on my face like I'm staring in the eyes of my hero. Hmm. And there's a big old birthday cake on the kitchen table and there's church people all around us. We're in my house in Vancouver, the house I grew up in. And I look at that picture sometimes, Justin, and I long for those days. I long for the days where my dad and I are close. And, you know, I grew up, I'm Canadian. I know a lot of Americans don't really relate to this, but we're crazy hockey fans. (laughs) I love hockey. Even though I played baseball in college, I love hockey. My dad and I love to watch hockey together. And uh, he's a a big, affectionate guy. He'll give you the best bear hug you've ever had in your life. I miss my dad. I miss him like crazy and he's alive. Yeah. But Christ divides us because of the way Christ is taught. And I love Jesus more than I even love my father. I love Jesus more than I love my wife and my children. And I want nothing more than to get a phone call from Uncle Benny. And we can even go to a nice restaurant if he still has to have nice food. That's fine. We can go have a steak at Morton's. But just a phone call to say I'll stop. A phone call to say I heard what you said. Coming from you, I'll listen. My own family member. Just don't bring NBC, but I'll listen. What does the Bible say? You know, anything will do. Just 
stop teaching falsely about Christ. That's all I want more than anything. And that's my prayer. Life isn't over yet. These men aren't dead. They're not done. And so, yes, I want to be out of a job in this sense. I want you to be out of a job with clouds without water. You can keep writing about childhood conversion and go on and be an elder and preach the word and grow old with Kathy. I want that for you. Yeah. I want that for me and my family. But, goodness, like Jude, I, I really would like to talk about other things. But so long as there are men who will bring reproach on our Lord, we will fight that fight. We'll give our lives for it. I'll give every breath that I have to speak the truth. And so, yeah, keep fighting, Christians, if you're listening. Keep standing for truth. Do it in love. But don't ever waver on the gospel because Christ gave his life for it. And I hope we'll do a good job with it in the years to come, Justin. Amen. Amen. Costi, thank you, brother. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your testimony with us and what God is doing in your life. And uh, th so thank you, brother. Absolutely. All right. Dear friends, I know you're going to want to be praying for Costi and his wife, Christine, and their kids. Do pray for them and uh, and pray for his extended family, uh, that, that God would be merciful and would grant them repentance. So may God be glorified, dear friends. Thank you for listening. And until our next time together, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or are interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.